0: Howdy. Hello. It's the Fight Sites MMA podcast. I'm Ed Gallo. I'm here with Sriram Moralidarn, as always. And as last week, I'm also here with Toobin, because, or Iggy, you might know him. I'm just going to make sure people know <laughs> that you have two names every time. Uh, <coughs> Tubin, two names, haha, <laughs> Do I make that joke a lot? Sorry. Um, but <laughs> he was here last week, and it was cool and fun. And uh, yeah, he's here again, and he's the host of Tengredome, and he writes a lot of cool stuff, and... Uh, other other things. You can find him uh, in depth on our Discord server as well. He's like the most popular man on the Discord server. How, how you guys doing? Let's see who talks first.
1: I am I'm alive. Good. Oh, oh okay. he beat you. I guess it's time.
0: <laughs> Damn it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just, just got to be a touch quicker on the draw.
0: I saw Shroom had muted himself. I'm like, oh, there's no way he's going to be first. All right. <laughs> Impressive recovery, though. <laughs> Speaking of that, uh <laughs> not even <laughs> let you guys talk. Uh UFC two sixty two was there was some crazy stuff that happened on it. Uh there's a lot of bad stuff that happened on it as well. Bad isn't not interesting slash boring, but I think the interesting things are interesting enough to have discussions about. Uh instead of doing what we've done the past I don't know, a couple months really is like talk about every event that we can find and just like let you guys know what's happening. you know, we pride ourselves on being well informed sometimes. Uh, we're not we're not a la carte fans like that guy called Jack Slack. That was funny. Um, no, we, we are a la carte fans. Uh, and this week we're going to be doubling down on that and just talking about this past UFC event and next week's UFC event because that's, uh, that's what I have energy for and it sounds like uh, my colleagues are in agreement. Are we in agreement, colleagues?
2: Yeah, I don't even have energy for the whole thing. <laughs> uh, just a couple of fights on each because, I mean... UFC events have been... I I saw the card after this one, after Font Garbrand, and it's just... It's one of the worst cards I've ever seen, honestly. Uh, Rosenstreich Sakai. So I I don't even know what I'd say about that, so I think my tolerance is rapidly going down for how the UFC's trading cards. Uh, But the next one's fun, and the last one was fun, so I guess I can put up with some filler in the middle.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, do you think I've got things to say about Priscilla Cachoeira versus uh, Gina Mazzani? No do I do not. You have don't.
2: a lot of mean things to say about Priscilla Casuara.
0: She
1: won. You have mm. to say only
0: nice things about her. Uh as the rules God. of analysis. Well, I have nothing to say.
1: Yeah, everyone is contractually obligated to be constantly positive at yeah, all I mean, times.
0: Some analysts, you are sure, can't even find nice things to say about <laughs> Priscilla Casuara.
1: You have to be you have to be positive despite the fact that you're not getting I'd like paid to you see in any way. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Anyway. Oh God!
1: I forgot! I forgot that uh, just like uh, June fifth, Drosenstruck Sakai is our main event. Yes. Jesus Christ!
0: It's gonna be awesome. Great fight! Jesus Christ! The, the big boys. Whoop de doo. Well, we Some have a whole say, week to. Do I sound like UFC fans? They like that. <laughs> like yeah. Those guys are big. I'm oh, in. Don't don't even tell me more about them. They're huge.
1: Yeah, these guys are like fat, <laughs> just like me. <laughs> I find them insanely relatable, the you human struggle. This. You can do this. Everyone can do this. Just is in our uh, DNA, which
0: means you just can fight professionally if you want to.
1: Don't get off your couch, I guess.
0: You can make the Contender Series in no time if you played baseball in high school. <laughs> anyway, UFC card, it was good. Um, main event, this was a a, a real, well... I don't want to say... Is there, I think I said this last week. It's a real feel-good fight. Because, you know, either way, it's, like, a good outcome for the division, good outcome for, for MMA. And we knew the fight was going to be freaking awesome. And, yeah, and it uh, was. It was an amazing and fight. And Chucky
1: Olives. Chucky Olives is also a decent guy. He's so. a
0: beautiful soul. He's a very good guy. And him and Damian Meyer are tight, which is a very good sign. Um, one of the best signs I've seen of a guy maybe being, like, an actually a good person in MMA. And he's, like, a very philanthropic person. Yeah, obviously... Uh, came from what he calls the ghetto and you know, he was very interested in giving back and supporting communities and you know a lot of a lot of athletes are like that but he also just seems like actually humble and down to earth and he was uh, a very genuine person like his reaction after he won the belt was that was so pure uh he was so so happy uh, and you Man, know like it. obviously yeah he won a championship uh but like not every fighter looks like that He he was really in it
1: yeah, like with with someone like a Habib, when they win the belt, you, you're kind of like, oh yeah, of course, naturally, yeah. Well, sure,
0: like Quinta,
1: you know, it's like who. Who's well, well, that's as well, but everyone I picked mean.
0: against him, and it was just relief that he, he got it done—a huge upset.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think the other day. Uh, I think it was yesterday. Chucky Olis was actually like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Now that I've won the belt, I'm not going to be as active as on Twitter to interact with my fans. Aww. Sorry, guys." <laughs> he was too like, good. He it, was
0: doing too good. That wasn't sustainable. <laughs> yeah, he's responding to everybody. <laughs> it's not not right. But uh, the fight, the fight itself. Uh, I think a lot of people thought that Chandler could. Oh, first of all, psh, giving it away for free. No uh Shroom and i recorded commentary live on the fight it was one of the only fights that we recorded that had no technical issues we actually got the whole thing through no lag no buffer nothing it worked well we were synced up the whole thing um actually shiram was like two seconds ahead of me uh so he, he spoiled the finish for me but <laughs> that one's did rare though we did do commentary on it it's on patreon the video is uh if you just want the audio that's up on our podcast platforms but I swear, who are you people that are just listening to the audio and, like, not even grabbing the video yourself to, like, watch it synced up? Like, I've had multiple people tell me that they do that. I'm like, is that fun for you? Just to hear us say, oh, we hit him with this, and then he did that. I mean,
1: sometimes I do that with, uh, like, uh, movie commentaries, even uh, to the movies that I didn't see and don't intend on watching. Yeah. Mean, I mean, you get know. most of the, you get the the idea of what is happening in there. You're mostly listening for the reactions and uh, funny descriptions and stuff like that. So uh, I kind of get it.
0: If you're hearing this and you you only listen to the audio, I want you to explain it to me and uh, make it make it make sense. And maybe I'm just not giving us enough credit. Maybe we are that enjoyable to listen to without watching the fight. And maybe we say interesting things, but. I feel like in the moment, we are really caught up in, like, trying to comment on every single thing that happens, and we don't have time to do anything like, you know, long-form analysis, like big-picture analysis until after it's over. But I don't know. Let well, us know if it's good. So you have to watch it. And you have to listen to it. But, uh, yeah, the fight, what 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 are your thoughts? True or wrong? I haven't let you speak much.
2: <laughs> yeah, I haven't had a ton to say. I'm not uh, as relentlessly positive about Alos as a lot of people. Uh, oh, no. Are you does. about
0: to say – are you about to lead off with uh, – Negativity.
2: Yes, in fact, oh, I, no, I, I don't d- think uh, I am. <laughs> uh, Chuck Olaf is a story that I should be more into than I'm than I am. Oh, God, I f- I've i forgotten how to speak. He's a story I should it's be more into than I am. It's negativity
0: destroying your brain.
2: It is. Uh, it's a prion disease. But um, yeah, Chuck is a story I should be into more than I am, and that he's kind of just a New Age RDA where he started off super inconsistent and uh, kind of mediocre, and then he became someone really good. I'm not as confident that he's a uh, legitimate champion at this point. I think Michael Chandler's a good win. But uh, there's uh, at least one guy he needs to beat to really cement himself in that position. And being one of those people who don't really care about what people are like outside the cage. uh, It's a fun story inside the cage, but also, you know, uh, if he beats Poirier, I think that'll complete it. Right now he's kind of just one... for me it's like a title eliminator type thing. It's weird. Uh, Lightweight's just always been kind of stupid. So, and past that negativity, I think Oliveira looked very good. Uh, Michael Chandler uh, pretty much proved that he should have been in that fight in that fight. Uh, and it went pretty much exactly the way I thought a Chandler win would go funny enough uh, at the beginning. Because I figured, you know, if Chandler was able to push him back really hard, uh, lead with the straight to the body and build into the left hand to the head, same thing he did to Hooker, uh, the pressure would probably cause some issues for uh, Oliveira's defense. Um, because, you know, his defense isn't particularly strong even on the front foot. He's super upright. He relies on a high guard. All of that panned out really beautifully, uh, as did Oliver's kicking game panning out. But the fight ended up a lot less attractive than I would have expected an Olivero went to. Uh, he just left-hooked him at the beginning of round two and uh, clubbed him to death. So, yeah, it was a really weird fight. I mean, I thought Chandler looked... Uh, like himself, for one, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had a very strong first round despite some weird grappling decisions that ended up uh, with Chucky on his back. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much the best way the fight could have gone because if either guy blew the other one out, it would have been, you know, neither guy really deserved to, or one of these guys never deserved to be here. But both of them proved that they were uh, on each other's level and Oliveira has beaten pretty much everyone else. So uh, I'm looking forward to Benil Darjev taking the belt off Charles Oliveira
0: soon enough. (laughs) <laughs> uh, sp- speaking of matchups, before, well, we can talk more, more about the fight, but just the first thing that came to mind when you talked about like, the win, what quality it was, when we did that round robin of violence where we picked uh, all the possible matchups between uh, Gaethje, Poirier, Chandler, and Oliveira, I actually I, th- I thought this was the worst matchup for Charles Oliveira in the bunch because um, it's the one guy that I didn't think you'd be able to like, take down early on and that would be an issue. Um, and just that Chandler's a massive hitter and is fast as going to come after him and that could be an issue for him. Um, I'm not going to tell you what my reasoning was for all the other ones right now, but you should go listen to that because uh, we talked about all of those and some of them could still happen. Uh, all of them could still happen, potentially. Um, Probably not because the UFC matchmaking is not good. But <laughs> that's how he ended up here in the first place. Uh, but yeah, I thought that, w- that was like his toughest stylistic matchup in the bunch. And he uh, he came through it. It was tough though. It was very tough. Like you said, on the back foot, not perfect. Uh, ability is pretty good because he survived. Um, and the yeah. yeah, the awareness he had while he was getting rocked all over the place, and the shots he was taking on the on the mat afterward, that was pretty nuts. Um, how how did the uh, how did that guillotine situation happen? Uh, did Chucky shoot on him after he got nailed?
2: I don't think it was after he got nailed. It was well, it might have been after. He like got not nailed the a not like time. the big
0: knockdown. But no, it, than that.
1: it, it yeah. was uh, before he got rocked. And I'm uh, saying,
0: was there another time he got hit hard and that made him shoot?
1: Um,
2: yeah, I think he shot a reactive shot after a left hook. Yeah, uh, and then he just or Chandler just pulled the. Yeah, Chandler the
0: didn't change. see it coming. He's like, shoot, got <laughs> gotta do this. <laughs> it was a good shot. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's good at those, man. Uh, but yeah, and then uh, Chandler obviously. Uh, to get up after the guillotine, gives up his back in the scramble, gets his back taken for a while, but he uh, gets two-on-one past it, he, turns into his guard. He
1: also he also gets his uh, back taken in a very funny way. He just, he like tries to somersault yeah. out of the back-take position. I think they caught him <laughs> with, the,
0: like, with a headbutt, like, on the landing, so it did something. <laughs> <laughs> they usually tell you not to do that, though, but, uh, I don't know, he, he ended up getting up after he spun back in the guard and that's when he rocked him and all that, but uh, just with guard to the finish... Uh, we talked about in between rounds, like, okay, Chandler, Oliver cannot wait on him because uh, he just can't see the shots coming and is not good enough defensively. Uh, so we said he has to get way more aggressive. And he started leading more and throwing longer combinations and, you know, getting more aggressive and, and tight. And uh, he closed him out with a left hook because Chandler's backing out. And uh, anything that happens after that, honestly, like, you can't read into it too much because uh, that was the finishing shot, the one he rocked yeah. him with originally. After that, he was dazed and, like, yeah. Probably instinctually, normally he would have shot a takedown, but he probably drilled really hard not to do that uh, because that's a good way to lose to Charles Oliveira. That's like his win condition, (laughs) his uh, club and sub. But yeah, I mean Oliveira did a good job uh, closing him off with with more left hooks as he ran along the cage, and obviously running along the cage isn't good. But I've seen a lot of people patting themselves on the back saying, "Oh, he shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't run along the cage. Obviously, you think he doesn't know that he was like half unconscious." um but uh, one thought on that is you know maybe muscle memory the bellator cage is circular and running alongside it is a little bit more doable than than the octagon so could be could be like a bad habit that was a little bit reinforced there um but I mean, yeah
2: yeah i think it's pretty much like talking about how as his ringcraft on the back foot was terrible at the end of eddie alvarez like no that's stupid um yeah but, he was dazed <laughs> yeah he was dead for like the last two minutes but, yeah, I think we talked about closing the door a bunch in Gaethje Ferguson, which is another one of the big lightweight uh, matchups for a belt earlier. And uh, pretty much the same dynamic happened here, where Chandler led with the straight, uh, Olivera tried to counter, and uh, Olivera ending up with the left hook as Chandler backed straight out. So it was a pretty clean knockdown. And, I mean, it's interesting because, like, Chandler pretty much got away with the same stuff he did against Hooker earlier in this fight. And the fact that uh, Oliveira was able to figure it out to catch him popping back up with the left, it's super impressive considering how dazed he was. But it's also something where, like, if we're talking about a Poirier find, uh, I think in that round-robin I picked Oliveira with some degree of grudging confidence. And I think at this point I might be leaning a bit towards Poirier Mm. just because of how— I wouldn't say easily because he did get reactive-shotted, but uh, Oliveira does seem a little bit more liable on the back foot against someone super distance covery than I thought he was. Uh, I thought, you know, he'd be a little bit more reliable to shoot the reactive shot and a little bit not better on the counter necessarily, but maybe a little bit more active on the counter instead trusting of just Poirier moving to back pressure Oliveira?
0: Is that what you're thinking?
2: Uh, I'm not really uh, sure. I think that's even kinda, if Oliveira, to, right?
0: <laughs> maybe.
2: I think it's something where even if Oliveira's on the front foot, if Poirier goes on one of his bursts, he's gonna catch Oliveira on the back foot doing bad things just the same. So
0: we did say something.
2: That's true. <laughs>
0: yeah, maybe. That's but, it. you know, Oliveira is a lot less durable, so we'll see.
2: Yeah.
0: I I get the 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 change in confidence when you see someone get hurt really badly in a fight, or, like, not just affirming, like, okay, you know, this is where their durability's at, but also they just took a ton of damage. They got concussed. You never know which concussion's going to be the one that, that changes things.
2: Yeah, Oliveira's been around for ages, so it could be mm-hmm. any one of them at this point.
0: Yeah, but, uh, speaking of matchups, 10 minutes ago, uh, Dariush could beat Oliveira. Am I crazy? I know you think that's wrong, but do do you know
1: me crazy? I don't believe it's that far off. Honestly. Like, uh, on the feet, uh, Dariush, with his aggressiveness, may give Oliveira some pause. He may get countered, but then again, with the way he uh, presses his opponents with a constant, like, relentless, full-body... Full body punches, uh, with uh, his entire weight thrown into them, uh, he could conceivably draw out, uh, draw out uh, a shot from Oliveira, and then it's going to be a grappling situation from then on. And uh, with Oliveira having a tendency to seek uh, finishes off his back, as opposed to trying to uh, build his uh, build to his base and get up positionally. Or like uh find positions from which he's less vulnerable, that may just may just give the space needed for Dorius to Darius to really either land damage on him or outgrapple him. But uh, I mean it's not like Oliveira's uh, submission seeking game uh is impotent or fundamentally unsound. So it's kind of a crapshoot either way as well.
2: I mean, I think I'm used to being pessimistic on the fighters I like, and I'm going to do the same thing here. Uh, I think... It's a tough fight for Daryush mostly because, and I've said this pretty much every time Benil's come up and fought someone really, really good. <laughs> uh, the athleticism difference is actually pretty decent at this point. Uh, but, I mean, I think there's also kind of something to be said about how Darius approached every one of his fights recently with at least one really clear example of how he's prepared for it. Uh, we'll get to this when we talk about Ferguson-Dariush, but, you know, even beyond the uh, Dariush goes in and wrestles him that we saw in Oliveira... Um, Dariush, like, literally the first time Ferguson stepped forward and squared up, Dariush blasted him with the left. Right. Uh, and it's something that, you know, like, yeah, he helped Gaethje train for it, but it's also something where he saw how to apply his own game uh, to uh, Ferguson's weaknesses. He did that against, against Holtzman. He had the open stance counter uh, figured out. He... I mean, a lot of those guys, he can just um, impose his game, right? But also against CDF, he had the right strategy. There are just a lot of ways in which, I think, Dariush is built to overperform. And... I'm not sure Oliveira is... Okay, I'll put it this way. I can't in good conscience say Oliveira breaks in fights anymore because that'd be a really silly thing to say.
0: He does get but, tired. And Benny yeah. now does not get tired. He solved his cardio. He'll no longer get tired in fights.
2: Benny's on
1: the yeah, It's big uh, I would a big, fully support that. His uh, quote-unquote tendency to fold is really like a question. It's kind of... Um, it's been an open question for me for a long time like Which whether one are we it about? is alavera's uh, alavera's uh, being foldable uh, as much validity as this notion really has anymore whether it was a question of his uh, mental fortitude or his uh, physical durability or his ability to keep up the pace because uh, really as uh, as it is the case with a lot of fighters Who kind of uh, fade? The more fight goes on, uh, the more the fight goes on. With with Oliveira, it seems to me like it was more of a case of him uh, really pushing a pace that he was not able to keep physically. And uh, when he got really, really tired, then just uh, then he saw no point in continuing. (laughs) And that's what uh, kind of uh, I think I mentioned that uh, in the preview in the this uh giving up thing uh, uh well for for a given value of giving up but uh, doing so kind of saved him the mileage that uh uh chandler's acquired <laughs> over the course of his career because chandler was always the more dogged and uh, consistent competitor uh in retrospect but now looking at the finish uh, kind of questioning whether it was a good thing Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but go go ahead, <laughs> Uh
2: Yeah, I think that sort of cleverness is something, but uh, I don't think Oliver is particularly foldable in fights anymore. But I do kind of question uh, whether it's a weird thing to say because I think like even as back as the Kevin Lee fight, right? In Oliver's corner were apparently telling him not to give up, and there there are some weird hooftian influences with them. Whereas if you tell someone not to give up, they're one hundred percent seconds away from giving up. Like, oh
0: no, do I look like I'm giving up? Yes, I am.
2: (laughs) It's just, it's very weird coaching, and I can't, like, after all the success Oliveira's had, I can't possibly fault his coaching at this point. It's been obviously brilliant, and they've built a skill set that really works for him, and Benil's definitely the one working with very thin margins, but I think there's a route for Darius to make it ugly. It's just I'm not sure he can parlay that into a win, because Oliveira is incredibly dangerous in every phase, and I'm not sure that Daryush can really extend the fight the way that he'd want to. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Um.
1: Yeah, I'd say there's an there's avenues, but uh, the overall uh, interplay between uh, Oliveira's skill sets in different phases make it uh, extremely difficult, extremely difficult and dangerous for him to navigate. Dangerous enough that the margins become slim enough that uh, yeah, he may not uh, to take it. He may give Olivera some trouble, but uh, yeah, the 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 margins are too slim, kind of. That's him. my preliminary read for for now at least. Is that your cat? Yes. Like, I'm sure I'm not cat. He's uh, he's agreeing with me. Yeah. He's <laughs> reinforcing what read. I'm saying.
0: Master. Um, cool. So that was a lot about about them. Uh, Tony Ferguson shot or not? Yes, obviously he shot. Yes. <laughs> um, we've been saying he shot since the cowboy fight when he came out like crazy flat and cold in the first round and. It took a long time for him to start beating up Cowboy, which is like, all right, man, uh, <laughs> this is not good. Um, and then, you know, he he had he had some wins, but ultimately he he looked physically declined for a while. You know, talked about taking his training win more seriously this time. I think it's too late for that. Um, that's the classic fighter mistake: is they don't start fixing the things they're doing wrong until they're too old and and clearly losing a bunch in a row. Um, but also, you know, to get to that level, you have to be some level of delusional and. We've talked a lot about, you know, first of all, th- the way Tony Ferguson is treated, you know, what the kind of toxic aspect of, of his fandom is. Um, like, oh, he's the crazy guy. and like, yeah, he is. <laughs> he should be more... Uh, th- th- be, we sh- he should be handled more responsibly. Um, but very luckily, the matchmaking has been kind to him in that he is not getting hit a lot. Um, I mean, Benny hit him a lot, but not like... Pounded him, you know, like Gagey did. No, luckily, they're not going to set him up for that anytime soon, I don't think. I think they realize that they should not have him out there getting knocked out because it kind of ruins the Mystique. Uh, now he's like an honorary, like the early, early days of like the Diaz brothers where they just like blamed wrestlers for being on top of them. Um, <laughs> I think he'll kind of fill in that kind of role. And Tony's always played bottom, but like being so much less dynamic and people kind of know what his stuff at this point. And Benny's a great grappler, and so is Charles Oliveira. So maybe it's just him fighting really good grapplers but i think they're gonna give him progressively worse versions of these guys until they see where he's at um but yeah benny uh pressured him took him down against the cage and and did some really nice uh, top control grappling that we commentated as well on patreon and uh it it was a good performance very safe from benny but i think the thing that really stood out was that benny uh did not fade
2: yeah, I'd say in retrospect, Oliveira could have been way, way, way uglier than it was. Uh, looking at the Chandler fight, like, Ferguson's yeah. kind of lucky that Oliveira did. didn't being just, nice to him. But, you know, yeah. He
0: did break his arm, and Benny did, you know, pop his knee or whatever, but definitely could have been hitting him in the face harder. Yeah, it could have
2: been worse <laughs> for his head in a lot of ways. Uh, but, yeah, I think Benil Darius put on about the performance that we all expected. Um, not a ton of counter-punching. There was that one counter that immediately put Ferguson on the back foot, and then he just pressured him, did a lot of... Uh, there was this one instance where he attacked the exit really, really nicely. Um, it was really reminiscent of the way Gaethje did with the left hook, but, you know, from Southpaw, where he just uh, forced... He, I think he countered Ferguson coming in, and then just, when he did that weird side-on, hunching exit that he did, just followed him out and pushed him to the fence. So, it was a, you know, very Cordero-y performance from Darius. Uh, lots Look, of now
1: that you mention it... Now that you mention it, I'm sorry I'm interrupting you, but uh, no looking back, I've re- re-watched the RDA, uh, the RDA fight the other day. There were some sequences that uh, are very reminiscent of uh, the Gagey fight, but because uh, Ferguson, b- because uh, in the Gagey fight, Gagey had uh, a marked uh, advantage in power, as the opposed RDA to RDA, who, Yeah, because RDA can hit hard, but not to the extent of where single shots like Gage's just rattle Tony. But also, uh, Tony was able to get his snowball going. So he was able to wade through the fire and then get the, his usual snowball, snowballing uh, pace-based game going and then kind of overwhelm RDA in exchanges and push him back. Uh, which uh, didn't happen with it Didn't happen with uh, Oliveira. But uh, Olivera didn't really use intercepting punches. He uh, he used um, lots of kicking, and Deruysh used um, pressed pressed him back with punches as well, and uh, did some uh, well esque cordero esque countering stuff. And one thing I noticed is that Tony simply does. It seemed to me that Tony simply does not have the physicality to do the same things he used to. Or he uh, has enough physicality to hang in there, but not enough to enforce it the same way he used to, because his game isn't really based on anything, uh, on on, uh, fundamentals. It's more based on his uh, attributes, his physical attributes, his mental attributes. And with games like that, the moment an athlete's uh, body just starts declining a bit from, like, say, uh, 100% to 97%, to from 97% to 95%, then the wheel starts falling off, and then you can't just, you simply can't stop this process anymore.
2: Yeah, it's the kind of thing, there are a, a lot of fighters you can just point to even at this point, and say they're going to age really badly. Uh, we're talking about, this weekend Cody Garbrand seems like an obvious one where if you're super reliant on physical traits it's just something that's not going to work out when you no longer have those physical traits they are full effect. Uh, Tony Ferguson's one where he relied heavily on pace in every phase, he relied heavily on just being completely indestructible. And even being indestructible might have hung around, if not in a physical sense, in a mental sense for sure. But, you know, I think there's also kind of an argument that Daryush just lying on him for round three was an act of mercy. Because <laughs> after yeah, taking his leg home, it, it could have just been him leg kicking him for the third round. I I, I think, uh, Darush probably could have just beaten him up in the third round way worse well, than he did. Well, he
1: could have simply continued ringing on his leg, which he let go of when he heard things pop in his knee. Well, I mean, okay. Tony according to him, at least. Part, so
2: that's another thing, but.
1: Yeah. And uh, the thing is. Tony may still be incredibly durable, but uh, I think there is a mental aspect to it as well. Like, you can see Tony get uh, you've never saw you you never saw Tony, Tony get discouraged in his fight, and now you can clearly see when he just simply goes, ah, oh, fuck, not again and kind of and it kind of gets worse and worse for him as the fight goes on, and he isn't really able to find his way back into it all he does is just, uh kind of continue trying stuff but not in a way conducive to actually winning the fight he's just kind of doing stuff to for the sake of doing stuff not really looking for ways out or looking for ways back into the fight he's kind of passively taking beatings at this point Uh, it's kind of really discouraging
0: yes it's sad but it could be worse that's my message to tony fans is not every fighter gets to get grappled, you know, in their post-prime. <laughs> most most of them get knocked out. Um, so that's something...
1: And now we'll t- we have Tony posting, posting, uh, uh, like, visual v- visual puzzles on his uh, timeline. <laughs> I thought that one was, <laughs> was
0: very easy to interpret. I don't know what... Yeah,
1: it was. It was It was a clear narrative. I mean...
0: He's not giving up. He's, he's coming back. He's, he's gonna get back to work.
1: He you still know. has it, folks. I'm he's not even sure
0: who he should fight, like... So the rankings update
2: after Ferguson and was super weird because they pushed Daryush up to number three uh, right uh, right after Poirier and Gaethje, which is a spot that I'm not sure anyone would have expected him to be in like a year ago, which is something that's uh, kind of special. But also, like, I don't know if he should be there right now. Uh, Michael Chandler giving—I mean, okay, I'll put it this way. Chandler shouldn't be there on results, but I'd say he's very likely to beat Daryush up in a fight. And uh, giving Oliveira the fight that he did probably deserves him to, like, Maybe not go up a spot, but maybe not have Daryushin uh, ahead of him. But they also only push Ferguson down one spot, which means that he's probably going to be fighting like Islam Ahachev, which is super mean. It's so
0: gross! Uh, you know exactly what they're doing. They're not respecting yeah. him by keeping his rank high. They're using him, uh, just exactly. to be like oh, you beat Tony Ferguson. People know who that is. Uh, very it's, impressive. They're, it's they're the sort of
2: thing where like feeding absolutely. Him to people. Yeah, at the best Ferguson should be fighting someone like. Paul Felder at this point, another veteran who doesn't really want to do things. Against Felder hurts contenders. people. Though. I
0: don't. I do I don't like that.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's like that's the absolute best, right? Like even in terms of uh, I, even I'm not thinking so much about the matchup necessarily, just in terms of like the sort of fight he should be taking. Yeah. Uh, someone like Paul Felder is the kind of guy who also shouldn't be fighting Islam Makhachev at this point uh, because he just doesn't care that much anymore, and he's yeah. gotten all his money and he's in commentary now. I respect so, the thought process. Like, it'd be a fun fight that makes sense between two guys who aren't really going to get to the title and probably shouldn't be fighting really dangerous guys, but instead it's going to be Tony Ferguson versus Mahachev or Gillespie or, you know, if he wins this weekend, Demiris Magulov, hopefully, but probably okay. not. Um, but yeah, it's just, the the rankings are just super weird, and I think both guys are probably going to be somewhat hurt by the way that the rankings have shaken out, mm-hmm. because... Like, Daryush is going to be at least in name fighting down after this. Dustin Poirier has a McGregor rematch. Uh, Gaethje and uh, Daryush are, like, apparently super good friends, uh, buying groceries for each other and beating each other up in training with <laughs> consent. So it's sort of weird unless they just give Daryush the title shot. It could also be weird. Uh, I don't know. Like, if he's going to be fighting down, they might give Daryush Mahachev just because they're mean know. It's a bizarre situation. Lightweight's always been dumb, and it's no less dumb now that one of my favorite fighters is top three, but also shouldn't be there.
0: Two of your favorite fighters are top three?
2: Mm, I mean, Rob yeah, Oh, that's true. I thought we were talking about that division. Let's go Font. Yeah,
0: exactly. Cater is um, also top three, but not we'll get to that. One. We'll get to that. So, rest <laughs> of the main card, rest of the card in general, uh, fairly uneventful from a, us talking about it standpoint, but really quick, Bonserine, I can't tell if he's improved or just him not really cutting weight was super helpful. Um, but, I don't know, he looked all right. I think he's kind of figuring out how to leverage his physicality and his, his size and, and being more aggressive. Uh, just kind of figuring things out in the feet a little bit more. I think that's been helpful for him. And he obviously looks still big and strong as a grappler. Uh, we don't need to You know what that. Matt
1: Schnell should figure out? He should figure out how to stop doing his stupid Bruce Lee impression every fight just gets on my nose. I can't, help. I can't handle it. I have an irrational hatred towards Matt Schnell because of you. it. Purely because of his body language. It's just so annoying.
0: I'm going to be, you know that thing where it's like, oh, don't think of purple elephants? It's going to be like that. I'm going to be like, oh man, I'm going to be sparring. I'm going to be like, you know, it would really suck if I start doing the thing that Matt Schnell does. Oh, hates that. And then I'm going to start doing it. And I'm not going to be able to stop myself and the habit's going to be ingrained.
2: I mean, I think Max pretty decent. It's just, you know, a lot of physicality issues But what do you think of Monterey. the,
0: the lucky thing in his stance?
2: Uh, I think it's funny. I don't mind it. <laughs> More guys having weird tics is always, like, a good thing for me.
0: Grabbing your shorts the, is
1: superior. There are weird tics, like Dustin Poirier talking to himself in the fight or, like, constantly spitting or, like, shaking his head. He always That's grabs him. Poirier
2: kind of has, like, ten tics. He, he wipes
0: his hands on his shorts. W-
1: wiping stuff. his hands on his shorts, all that stuff. And there's actively trying to look cool while in your stance while getting beat up and then kind of moving your head side to side which is not even head movement it's not even integrated into your style you're just kind of doing it to uh, maintain a- an illusion that you're a professional fighter i don't know is he, if,
0: he if, is if, if someone though, does this thing it's He's like, okay he doesn't need to do that <laughs> yeah.
1: if someone does this thing in sparring against me all oh, that I'm just. I couldn't. I, I wouldn't be able bro. to help myself. My now just. she <laughs> red. Well, if if I see you doing it, inspiring, uh, inspiring. All I do is just kick you in the balls. I don't care at this point.
0: Hmm. That's a better answer than I thought was coming. It's definitely something <laughs> you could accomplish. All right. Uh, Caitlin Chukagian and, and Viviani no. uh, Araujo fought. It was it was a fight. Um and then I think the decision might have been wrong but I wasn't paying close enough attention to figure that out and uh, Chukagin in the post fight press conference denied that it was her on her twitter account liking uh, all of the black porn and I just want to say you're a liar and there's nothing to be ashamed about and you, you disappointed me with your lies yeah I mean I
2: watched like sections of that fight and apparently Kagan like teeped her a bunch which would be
0: impressive if I knew what Viviani Araujo did She's, uh, uh, but... she can do a couple things She's a good athlete. That's the whole thing.
1: <laughs> I didn't watch the fight. I just yeah. didn't.
0: Uh, That's good. I watched seconds of it. That's good. But uh, the fight after
2: this one's probably the most interesting one.
0: Yeah. So uh, watch Julian's video on our YouTube channel uh, about Barboza's performance. And Julian was also pretty much the only person who was like a real analyst uh, who was saying that he really favored Barboza and was. I I did put good. in
1: some caveats in there. Like, you put, uh, you put uh, a lot of things like, in a lot of like things. Provided Burgos doesn't do a dumb, he should be able to win. And he did do a dumb, and he didn't win.
0: That's hedge. Yeah, <laughs> I don't You're hedging, bro. I mean, either way, I don't, think Barbo- I
2: don't think Burgos did the dumb thing that we would have said wouldn't did I thought Burgos right. yeah, exactly. had a
0: lot of good reads on him and you know, looked physically there to, to enforce the game. Like, everyone everyone's being super downer on Burgos, and I get it because with his style it, it needs to be different you know it's you, you can't have all the hope for him now but he also like did a pretty good job in the fight it's not like he's bad it's just like he it's it, it doesn't look like it's gonna work because he's, he keeps taking damage and that usually doesn't end well
2: yeah that's the thing i'm more down on burgos as a fighter at this point because of his physical form than his game yeah um, Barboza looked like a surprisingly hard matchup just because at featherweight he looks like a really monstrous puncher in a way that he definitely wasn't at, at lightweight. I think he's also
0: worked on on punching simultaneously. Yeah,
2: that, I, mean, I would hope so.
0: But <laughs> yeah,
1: I think it's safe to say that currently Edson Barboza is the Justin Gaethje of featherweight. <laughs> it was a Justin Gaethje-esque performance from Barboza. And that both of them are really bad. <laughs> <laughs> wow. both of them make baffling decisions uh, on the back foot but still have an eye for a counter really I mean, enough. obviously Justin Gaethje is, is a lot better at it than Barboza and still. is he
2: though? nah, he is <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think Barboza put on a, a fairly strong performance the fact that Burgos actually had to fear the striking, at least in that first layer meant that he couldn't crowd as hard as he usually does um, I think Burgos's body work did a lot of good... Uh, I don't know if it had any like real concrete effect throughout the fight, but right. it was a really good tool that he kept using. I like the jab left hook uh, thing that he did early mm-hmm. in the fight. We mentioned that immediately as soon as the fight started. Uh, that was how Burgos was pushing him back. Uh, Barboza, the counter leg kicks did a lot to keep Burgos from just swarming him the way that we expected him to, uh, because Burgos had to kind of work into range, draw out the kick and you know draw his leg back before doing that. But, I mean, overall, it was just Burgos finding his way into the exchange, eating a counter, trying to keep it going, and beating Barboza every time it went past that first counter from Barboza. Yeah. It was just that I think in that first round, Burgos kind of got screwed over by getting dinged by the wheel kick because he was on his way to a clearly one round, and then he got hit, and then he got hit again, and then he got hit again, and then he got hit again, and it just it, it snowballed. Did he get and, hit
0: again after that?
2: He got hit a bunch in that first round, and Damn. it was very irritating to me. Uh, <laughs> He was, just, he was visibly one rocked thing, after all
1: of them. Uh, one thing that annoyed me about Berges' performance in particular is that he didn't kick with Barbosa. And uh, I think that's a lot of what um, what uh, gave uh, Barbosa essentially card blanche to reset in his stance and then counter kick.
0: I think he was earlier and then he uh, might have got his leg screwed up. Because uh, I remember ta- saying well, things about his kicking in the commentary, yeah. which we also did he- on Patreon, check it out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and uh, well, uh, since you've plugged your stuff, I'm going to plug my no, <laughs> Sunday Tengridon, where I, where I uh, t- analyzed all the fights that we're talking about here, and also added some Rambly Rambly uh, opinions on top of it. So go and check, go back and check that one out I'm as well. Not
0: going to listen to your podcast, man. Uh, <laughs> you can't make me.
1: Fucking listen to it. It's very interesting.
0: I think Burgos... I talk about communism
1: together. in there. <laughs> Are you not sold?
2: <laughs> Unless you're Benil Dariush and anti-communism, no. Is it
0: like literal communism, like living in a commune? Or like, uh, you know, the kind that everyone thinks it is?
1: Well, both. And uh, I'm down to live the, in a commune. Fight commune, also, who's down? And also Benil Dariush take on it as well. Did he have a take uh,
0: on it, or just that it's bad?
2: He's, he had its bad take. But, you
1: know. He said I mean, uh, coming is bad, which he you know, which he is right to say, with it, well yeah. within his rights to say that, but also yeah, you know his what? source isn't really all that credible.
2: <laughs> like, as soon as more people start building orphanages with their own assets, they're allowed to say capitalism is good and private charity will cover the gap. That's my take on it. But Definitely. If everyone think, in the world
0: has been able to argue, then yeah, probably.
2: Exactly. Uh, but I think... Uh, With regard to Burgos-Barboza, I think Burgos did eventually start... So the theme with every Burgos loss at this point, Calvin Cater, Josh Emmett, now it's in Barboza, is through round two, you're like, yes, Burgos is really figuring this dude out. This is going to be something that, that he wins. And I mean, for Cater, it was no, he's really figuring this dude out. Why does he have to win this? And then... At the end he's taken a good deal of damage and the other guy just needs a couple of reads to like really bomb him and just needs to like surprise him in some way where he gets into like such a flow based on the stuff that he knows about the other guy that if they're able to switch it up at all he just walks right into it um here i think it wasn't as much a thing of barboza changing anything up it was just burgos taking so much damage through the first round Uh, but Burgos did kind of figure out the fight through the second round uh, again did a lot of the body work did a lot of the jab left hook he started doing like a little bit of front kicking which is really nice to uh, counter uh, barboza's round kicking with the leg kick uh, get his leg out of the way and take the weight off the kick which is nice
1: i mean but... that's always your answer when you're getting your leg kick just uh, employ more linear kicks you're first of all you're lifting your uh, lead leg up which uh, facilitates uh, checking the kicks and then you're just uh, interrupting your opponent's rhythm and balance, which is also ex- incredibly crucial for kicking as well. So, yeah. I mean, that that was a good read, but he didn't do enough of it. I'd say.
2: Yeah, insofar as what I'd say, Burgos needed to do more. I'd say enter in off his kicks a little bit more, because every time he did that, it worked against Barbosa. Um, he. So, one weird thing that I said before the fight was that I expected if Burgos got his fight to outkick Barboza, which is, in retrospect, kind of a really stupid thing to say, and I'm glad I didn't say it before the fight, but I think...
1: You're admitting it now.
2: Barboza... Yeah, I am. Uh, (laughs) uh, I'm willing to say it after I contextualized it, because before the fight, they're like, oh, you said it before the fight, you're a goddamn idiot. Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, Now you're only, like, half an idiot. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'm an idiot who knows it, and I'm the one bringing it up, so I own it. I'm reclaiming my opinion. Smart. Um, yeah, I think if Barboza got into the mode that he does sometimes with pressure fighters where I think he he doesn't really have a stance to really kick particularly effectively. He's moving laterally like a top um, and he just can't really stop himself. Someone like Burgos' kicking game will be As pretty bad As opposed to moving
1: laterally like a bottom, you mean?
0: I was waiting uh, for him to finish to say that he's the top, a top, but point. Point. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but
2: yeah, I think Burgos' kicking game would have worked pretty well. We've seen some pretty good examples of it. And Burgos is a pretty shrewd kicker in terms of, you know, being able to counter punches with kicks, being able to he doesn't really like punch off his kicks that much, but he did a little bit against Barboza. And the other thing is that a lot of his pressure tends to be um, just in terms of like raw forward movement, in that he doesn't really cut guys off against the fence as much as he should. And as soon as he had Barbosa on the fence, he probably could have just tried to kick him while he was circling off and start putting some flurries in there, but he just kind of let Barbosa get off to keep walking towards him. It was kind of the Ferguson school of pressure as opposed to the Gaetje school of pressure, and yes, and both can work against Barbosa. Yeah, and he
1: really didn't have the tools to keep Barbosa pressed against the fence. Barbosa was able to escape pretty much every time he got trapped there. He didn't really get trapped along the fence all that much, come to think of it. And yeah, yet, he got uh, pushed the to the
2: fence, but Burgos didn't do the things to Yeah,
1: him. and uh, the thing about uh, Burgos' performance was that throughout his career notice that he doesn't really change up his rhythm and uh after a while it gets kind of predictable For th- there's two problems with this first he has he needs time to settle into his opponent's rhythm to figure it out and uh, figure out his counters and he doesn't really change it up all that much that's why every time his opponent was able to change up his own rhythm but uh, burgers got bombed that i think that's the main reason and against uh, Barbosa, even though the body punches were a good look, he didn't really uh, mix up his entries all that much. He didn't really punch of, uh, let's say, punch of kicks or like stutter step or faint in with the jabs. Like uh, the reason he got constantly, uh, constantly got his uh, leg kicked off uh, is that he entered on the jab with a very pronounced step in without really kind of preparing it all that much. And uh, that's his main problem, he doesn't really prepare his entries, he doesn't really cook his entries, he doesn't really uh, think about how to uh, make his opponent think about what he's going to do next. Every time he, he enters his opponent, While Burgers is very quick and uh, it's kind of, it can be hard to read because he kind of does the same thing, he kind of tries to throw strikes off the same look kind of like a chamber, but with his stance and uh, but without really changing up rhythm, without really uh, without really showing uh, different looks, it's uh, it makes him more predictable as the fight goes on, and that's what Barboza was able to zero in uh, early on, very quickly despite getting hit with some really good shots
0: I agree, and I like how you say Barboza <laughs> it's very nice.
1: I, I have tried it's very saying correct. it anglicized, but it just says say, sounds completely. That sounds beautiful. Completely uh, wrong. I
0: really like it. Uh, in the interest of time, let's not talk any more about this card because we have to preview the upcoming card. But uh, rest yeah. in peace, Jacare. Uh, once you lose by jiu-jitsu and you're like an aging grappling legend, then you should just and stop. you get your <laughs> get
1: your limb broken.
0: Uh, not the most important limb, but one of them. I mean, yeah.
1: days
2: for the old middleweight, Luke Rockhold, like, please don't come back challenge.
0: He's coming back.
1: I mean, don't limb breaks, back. they always give me the heebie-jeebies, regardless of who, who it happens against. But especially when it's an old guy, kind of like think about, think about my grandma, and uh, think about all the grandmas in the world who fell over and broke their hip. Grandma and
0: FC coming to fight pass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, that yeah. sounds
2: like a song or something. I would, like, think about all the grandmas in the world.
1: <laughs> Shout out to all the grandmas in the world <laughs> This song is dedicated to the brave grandmas of the world Who broke their hip <laughs> My grandma's pretty tough oh <laughs> Let, uh, Next card
0: David Geta. So. <laughs> um, you're writing an article on Rob Thont versus Cody Garbrand So can you spoil the entire article for us?
2: I can indeed. Um I think I mean the article is pretty much just like a, a brief summary of the, the articles I did on both beforehand. And as much as I love Rob Font, a lot of this is just my absolute hatred of Cody Garbrand. I think his entire career is pretty much an example of why the UFC is a complete disgrace. And I think <laughs> I think wow.
1: we 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 need to call uh through on the um like uh an unwilling Garbrand expert at this point, <laughs> because yeah. the sheer amount, the sheer amount of uh, tape study he did for Garbrand, despite absolutely despising the man, is kind of astounding. It's kind of amazing. It's the kind
2: of thing where, like, we had that Patreon request earlier about do the uh, podcast and the article on Garbrand, and then I took it and then I wrote the article and I did the podcast with Ryan, where I learned even more stuff about Garbrand that I didn't really know. Um, and then Garbrandt went and killed Asunsa, which is like the most depressing outcome in the history of the sport. But I think, yeah, I think to really hate someone to the level I hate Cody Garbrandt, you need to know a lot about them. And <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I, I've looked a lot at Cody Garbrandt. I think he's, um, even for this fight, I looked at him. And I think even if you look at the Asunsa fight, there's a lot of weird ways in which his game interacts with Rob Font. Their weaknesses really interact with each other's strengths in very bizarre ways. But uh, I think Rob Font is his to lose. And I'll let you guys uh, break down this fight amongst yourselves before I come in with the definitive take on why Rob Font beats Cody Garbrandt unless he dies, which he might.
0: No, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to wait for your take.
1: Well, uh, my take is that if you look at Cody you'll see that his hairline is atrocious. Mm. And that's uh, pretty much all you need to he's know. trying to
0: compensate with that beard. Like, we all know what you're doing, yeah. bro.
1: He's kind of Rob looking Font's like a... Uh, hairline
0: isn't too hot either, though. It's, uh, it's yeah. never been. And he's like, what? Like, Puerto Rican? Well, yeah, the problem use, is... You can uh, have a fade and like, it'll kind of save your hairline more, but like, if Cody Garbrandt got a fade, it would be unacceptable.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> well, the, pro- the thing is, Rob Font kind of looks like a guy just kind of looks like a guy. Meanwhile, Cody Garbrandt looks like a tryhard, like hipster. He looks like yeah. the California version of uh, Jeremy Stevens with that beard. And yeah. I think it was for him who said it that uh, Cody Garbrandt is increasingly looking like a guy who pretends to be in in some kind of in some kind of gang. I don't yeah, know.
2: Yeah, that was. Uh, I think that was Sandra. I said he looked oh, like
1: yeah, a that easy was cyclist. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's way too easy to shit on Cody's looks, but I think I'll shit on his skills for now. So.
1: It's, it's even easier to shit on his uh, brain thinking.
2: I mean, it's hard to shit on something that doesn't exist. I'd rather shit on the UFC's treatment of him can as well. you guys well.
0: stop swearing? My God. <laughs> it's the same <laughs>
2: swear word. You, you can't, like, if it's allowed once, it's allowed several times. But, yeah, I think Cody Garbrandt... I'm being
1: censored. We're being censored. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. The cancel, so, country, the cancel culture is out to get us. The, the mob mentality. Iron Fist
0: of Western media is cracking down.
1: Uh, oh my God. The soy boys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think Rob Font's jab is going to be a lot of trouble for Cody Garbrandt here. Which is, I mean, I guess it's the way that most people would pick a Rob Font win here. Just because everything he's do- he does is through his jab. But the way in which Cody Garbrandt has responded to jabs through his entire UFC career has been nothing but worrying to me. I think the, the way that... So we saw in the Cruz fight, he landed a couple of cross counters, right? But the cross counter really only came when Cruz crashed in behind his jab in a way that Garbrandt was just reacting to Cruz's feet coming in behind the jab. He, was, he wasn't reacting to the punch. He was reacting to, to the entry of Cruz the same way he was reacting to the entry of Dillashaw and the same way he reacted to the entries of everybody. And when Cruz decided to pair his jab with just, like, not even standing there because Cruz never does that, but with, like, moving laterally or just staying at range... Garbrandt didn't really have an answer and I think this is one way that Garbrandt being a T-Rex really hurts him is that a lot of the counters that he does is just really short range right like if someone has a really committed entry Garbrandt can step in and meet them but if someone stays away from him and decides to put long volume on him he doesn't really have a way to deal with it and I think if Font can do that it'd be something pretty interesting. And Font has shown the tools, like in in fights such as Sergio Pettis, right? Font pretty much won that off the strength of his jab alone. And the way to beat Font has generally been to draw out the messier aspects of him, to take the jab away, to take its distance away specifically. Uh, John Lineker did it by pressuring past the jab, and Rafael Assuncao did it by just being the best ever, and also by uh, really throwing the distance off of the jab, catching it, uh, counting with his own jabs, kicking out his legs, forcing Font to chase and cover distance. I've never seen Cody Garbrandt do either of those things. And I think Font could just get wild, try to draw a reaction out of Cody with a jab, blitz, blitz in, and uh, get his ass kicked. But it'd have to be in a moment. And I think picking a moment-reliant fighter over Rob Font is kind of tricky because he shown to be very durable through the Lineker fight and through... I mean, even the Munoz fight, where he got hit with a really huge left hook and still had to be guillotined. Uh, Garbrandt is pretty clearly the less durable party here. Um... I think it's going to be a range fight until it gets stupid. If it gets stupid, Garbrandt has a good shot. But if it stays a range fight, I think Rob Font has all the tools to win. Um, and, I mean, it, it's a really interesting fight. Like, neither one seems as close to a title shot as they look on the rankings. But uh, the winner could be in a weird sort of predicament where they're, you know, fighting Peter Yan or something, which would be a slaughter, but it'd be a fun slaughter.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, fighting Cody Garbrandt is kind of like arguing with idiots. Uh if you do it, uh, don't do it on on an <laughs> equal footing. All they all do is uh, drag you to their level and then um, they've got way more experience there they've got way more they are way more experience at being stupid than you are.
2: I, th- I think Cody Garbrandt is the sort of fighter where people... I, don't, I wouldn't say they overcomplicate how to beat him because it's really tough to beat someone with those athletic attributes. And I think even at Bantamweight, right? Like, is a super deep division, and I don't think Cody Garbrandt's a real top five there. I'm not sure he really ever was. It's just that uh, he was... He, he got a, a title fight essentially off beating Thomas Almeida, and that's kind of awful looking. Well, like, Almeida's perfectly fine. If you look, fine, but if you
1: look compl- at his unbeaten streak... It's, uh, I, I think the there are no wrestlers there, isn't there?
2: Well, Dominic Cruz, but.
1: Well, Cruz, think, yes, but, uh. Yeah.
2: Like, it's the sort of thing where I don't think they necessarily protected Garbrand from a specific style on the come up. They're more just rocketed from up beyond everyone. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. Like, Jafiela Sunsau had to beat TJ Delisha a second time to get a title shot, where Cody Garbrandt had to beat Thomas Almeida. It's silly. It was the, the time worst thing I think ever. they
0: thought that Almeida was more of a thing than he was so it could well, be forgiven he's... but then his uh his like win to get to the title shot after that they put him against Mizugaki which was an obvious step down and, and set up so they they protected yeah. him for sure
2: yeah it's the kind of thing where like i'd be willing to forgive the Mizugaki fight if he fought someone who was better than Almeida cuz it's like um, Connor beating Mendez and then beating the uh, receiver or again
0: beating Rivera and then Faber
2: yeah exactly there are a lot of weird paths in title fights but that usually involves a genuinely great fighter, which, as much as I like Thomas on style, he, at any point he really wasn't that. No. Uh, at best, he was another prospect, and uh, Garbrandt got to a title shot off beating him, skipping, what? I mean, I think Jimmy Rivera beat Uriah Faber around that time. Sansa was around. Dillashaw deserved a title shot. Pedro Munoz was around. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? I can't think of too many other people, but those are four contenders who uh, Garbrandt just kind of rocketed past and then yeah. he faced Cruz and I mean it's the weird thing right? where beating Cruz doesn't really tell you anything about how you fare against the rest of the division as good as he is uh, especially just with just the just way so, that
0: fight played out that was a very specific yeah. game plan that worked specifically because of Cruz's shortcomings but then even it's, by the it's end also, of the fight uh, Cruz had figured it out it's a, it's exactly. a
1: specific game plan, uh, game plan in more ways than one because it's also not a really strategic game plan it's more like moment to moment game plan that just mm-hmm. focuses on extremely tactical things that Cruz does yeah, that's um, the thing. I don't want
2: to, like, I don't want to be super mean. Okay, I should say this now. I do want to be super mean to Cody Garbrandt, but I've I feel like it might a age good job of that. really awfully. <laughs> it might age super awfully because I'm a really big fan of Rob Fawn. Uh, he's like Calvin Cater, but the really offensive, grabby version, and he, he's a ton of fun to watch. And uh, I, I don't think Garbrandt's necessarily better than him, but he does have a really good shot at beating him which means that I don't want Font to look completely awful. If he loses to a fighter, I've considered complete shit. So yes, uh, Cody Garbrandt is tough to beat. And if Rob Font... Rob Font isn't much of a counterpuncher, so there is a universe in which I can see Cody Garbrandt sort of sprinting at him, taking one of those offensive angles he took on Almeida and uh, putting his lights out. But it's a fight where I think Cody Garbrandt, being such a moment-reliant fighter, is likely to bite him. Yeah. And I'm hoping Rob Font can... Uh, make it look that way, because I don't think Rob Font has a ceiling much higher than Cody Garbrand uh, at this point in his career, but he he deserves the, to win this sort of fight, I think. He's been in the UFC for a really long time, since, like, pre-Reebok. Uh, he got overshadowed by Calvin Cater, like, the second Calvin Cater showed up. Uh, so, like, he's uh, he, he's been around for a while. He's I don't know if he's improved, but he's worked hard, and uh, he has a game that's very sensible and cogent and really fun to watch.
0: So, naturally, even if he wins, they're going to do something stupid with him. The UFC doesn't like any of those things you just said. Um, yeah. <laughs> sometimes they, uh, they uh, don't have a choice, <clears throat> but uh, let's uh, let's move on from this fight, because we could probably go a lot longer. Um, luckily, there's not too much else to, to do on this card. Just Xiaonan and Carlos
1: Barza is our co Just enough for Gerard I, like,
0: uh, I like Xiaonan, actually. Um, yeah, not like solid. a lot, but she's, she's pretty solid. Um yeah, hopefully that's a showcase, but I don't remember enough about her fights to remember her grappling or wrestling, so that could be an issue.
2: Yeah, Sparzo pulls weird fights out of a lot of people at this point.
1: So mm-hmm. Jack Hermanson versus Edmund Shabazian is a is a um, weird matchup. I hate
0: that. Um because Hermanson has skill wise, like can very easily beat Edmund Shabazian, but he really has like those rough sledding moments pretty early on where he's too jank to really get to the positions he wants easily Um, so he's going to have to strike Edmund Shabazian for a certain amount of time because his takedowns are mostly upper body uh, his good ones um, and he does like shoot bad doubles and get extended and like Edmund Shabazian does have that meme potential with the side elbows like he did that to Charles Bird and I could totally see that happening again which sucks but if Hermanson gets him down like once I think it's over because um, Shabazzian got top really badly by Brunson, but he was gassed at that point, but it doesn't take that much to gas him. So yeah. I just hate the fact that Hermanson could lose it early, um, despite like it should kind of be a walkover at, at a certain point.
2: Yeah, I think Shabazzine, like it's weird because I'm pretty sure both of his losses at this point, um, they equal more cage time than he's had in his entire career of wins. Like All of his wins were super quick, pretty much. The and Darren Stewart uh,
0: fight was a pretty bad look. Did he win oh, that? Oh, yeah.
2: I actually consider that a loss. My bad. Yeah, yeah. That's why I Apparently said Apparently
0: he won losses. that, but he got, like, tr- fucking trashed in the third head. round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, don't, I don't think he really won that. I think he got, like, 29-27 or something. Mm. Um, it was a, it was an ugly fight. And that's the weird thing about Shabazzian is he's, like, competent at a lot of things that middleweights tend to be, like, somewhat below average at. He's a decent boxer. He can, like, kick, kind of. Uh, but it's... It lasts for like six or seven minutes at most, and uh, Hermanson. Yeah, I'm never really comfortable betting on Hermanson. It's the weird no, thing. Where, like after he lost to Vittori... okay,
1: well, like well, Shakhbazian uh, is kind of like uh, kind of like the the beat of uh, middleweight <laughs> in a sense. If you scale <laughs> down year. the
0: skills for middleweight, when you, as yeah. you scale the person, <laughs> yeah,
1: he <laughs> only got like seven minutes of action, and then it's like. It's kind of like the uh, the man on fire, uh, the bomb up the ass thing. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, so t- the, the clock is ticking. Do something. But,
2: yeah, pretty much. I think Shabazzian, like the fact that his rise was all really weird, spectacular finishes. It had to be that way because if it wasn't, they probably just would have had a loss in the middle. Um, Hermanson, he's just. He looks really uncomfortable anytime he's striking. His ring craft is always like super weird. Like Gastelum got him to the fence in .05 seconds, and he's really, really uncomfortable against southpaws, which is like a really weird quirk. I don't know if I don't think Shabazzian is a southpaw, but you know he could just come out southpaw and do some weird shit and make Hermanson crap himself. Um, but well, yeah, I think I, I pretty much have the same read. I think if Shabazzian can take advantage of Hermanson's. Exceeding discomfort in any exchanges early in the fight, he can win it. But it's also not a fight that should be happening. Like I'm pretty sure Brunson was lower ranked than Hermanson was when uh, Brunson fought Trabazian and then killed yeah, him. Yeah,
0: he's getting a step up. That's funny. Yeah, um, it's
2: straight up Holland booking.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, these two flyweights that are fighting on the main card. You you are a big fan of both of them. Well, you're a bigger fan of Halim Paiva, right? But do they do the same sorts of things? I remember you describing. David Dvorak, to me, it kind of sounded similar.
2: Yeah, Dvorak, I haven't seen quite as much of. I wouldn't consider myself a big fan, but I'm an appreciator uh, based on that single fight. Yeah, respector. Uh, but it was a respecter, Yeah, I mean it was Jordan Espinosa, so you have to temper it a lot because Espinosa is like he, he's like a small MVP. But <laughs> um, Dvorak did a lot of. He came in with a, a smart game plan, kicked the lead leg, counter uh, and combination, and he kind of beat the crap out of him. And Halian Paiva does a lot of things really well. He's a, uh, he's a sharp jabber. He's a good combination puncher on the inside. And uh, the Jumagulov fight actually showed him to be like a, a fairly decent kicker. <coughs> oh, whoa, I just hit okay? him. Uh, yeah, Um But yeah, Paiva was able to like draw out Zhumagulov because Zhumagulov was like way shorter and had to cover a ton of distance to get to him. So Paiva would like feint the kick. And then when Jumagulov would try to charge through the kick, he'd actually kick him. So, like, some actual, solid, crafty kicking in the division is something that's pretty rare. Uh, Paiva's also huge for the division, but he's also, like, super upright and not all that defensively. So this could be a really interesting fight. I'm hoping Paiva wins. I think he has a lot of uh, physical upside for the division, and he's kind of been cursed by, like, a couple really weird outcomes, where uh, he got robbed blind by Kaikara France in his UFC debut, and then he got, uh, he hurt Hagerio Bontorin, who we talked about earlier, uh, but then got cut on the eyebrow, and his eyebrow pretty much is ripped off, which isn't something that I'd expect to happen again. Um, Which means that he could easily be... Well, I'm going to look at his record for a sec, because I want to say he could easily be undefeated in the UFC. Yes, he could. Um, A lot of people scored Jumogulab against him. I did not, but I think he'd easily be 4-0 in the UFC if those uh, other fights went in a less stupid way. So I don't know if he's like a challenge for someone like Figueiredo. It's way too early to say that. But I think he'd be an interesting challenge for guys... Above him in the rankings?
0: Mm-hmm. I have a good transition. Ready? Speaking of people whose name ends in Magulav, Damir <laughs> is <Mugulav laughs> Opening the card. <laughs> was that good? The first prelim yeah, right. on, on the card. That. that was brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, Damir is another, another Shuram boy, but uh, the guy he's fighting is, is he even. Anybody I know he, I know he's the guy that missed weight on purpose because his wife had a miscarriage and he was depressed. but
1: uh, Did you hear that? Oh yeah, that, yeah, that thing the MMA fighting article him. Uh, that
2: was a disgrace from them. But,
1: Jesus, just MMA uh, outlet editors just sort yourself out. like, what the fuck is this shit?
2: <laughs> yeah uh, I can't openly root against Alves after that just because it'd be a really bad look for me. But uh, I can't root very hard for Demiris Mugulov. He's a former M1 champion, I believe. Uh, really fun, jabby skill set. Strong defensively for a prospect. Like, just really, really good uh, slips, counters. Does a lot of like fun reactive guard stuff. Pivots, which is something that you don't really see. Um, builds off his jab super well. And, uh, I mean, there are some concerns with how he deals with kicks and uh, his ring craft sometimes, but not all the time. But uh, I think he should be getting a decent step up after this one. Uh, Rafael Alves, I haven't really seen much of him. I've heard he's like a, a big, gassy, leg-kicky dude. So, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's just completely off. And he was on Contender Series, I think. So, that sounds about right for the guys who come off Contender Series, where they do like one thing and also don't have cardio. But, yeah, I- I'm hoping Magulov makes a show of it. He probably won't finish because he never does. But, uh, you know, if he can, that'd be nice. Uh, yeah, that's that's all I had to say. It's not an interesting fight, but I think Ismagulov should be fighting someone like Dan Hooker next.
0: And you Do you we have
1: something to say? Do we have something to say about Ben Rothwell versus Chris Barnett? No. Do <laughs> oh, <hug> you? Bear. <laughs> nope. uh, uh, the only thing is that uh, you should just uh, check out uh, Chris Barnett highlights on YouTube, have a laugh, and then forget about him. And also, Ed was uh, talking about the article that uh, Sriram has written about Damir Magulov called <laughs> not Chris Barnett. Yes, Damir Ismagulov, <laughs> called. Oh, an
2: article about Chris Barnett.
1: Uh, sure, why not do it? What's that it?
2: array? Four uh,
0: words. He used to have a superior uh, nickname.
1: You should, yes, so. yes, 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 and uh, Sriram should come up with a superior nickname for him as well, because he usually what, what's he, it's usually what he does for many fighters. He writes about uh i suppose Rafael I can't. uno Anjos comes to mind
0: chris the big <laughs> the fat Barnett.
2: Chris. now i can't beat huggy bear huggy bear is good
0: beast boy was better this is the form he's transformed into for now he's actually a small a slender man but this is the beast that he, that he is is that racist i don't know i'll stop
2: <laughs> <laughs> i can't think of a nickname for rob font either just because fonts have really boring names
1: I am the beast I worship. <laughs> Death Grips reference. Cool. For for your Zoomers out there. Cool, man. For the millennials.
0: Very cool. Uh, speaking of people that are lame, uh, there's <laughs> an anime fight commentary on Patreon for any of you people oh, yeah. who like them Japanese cartoons. Not me. Couldn't be me. Um, but yeah, Tuman and Hacks and Dan Albert watched a... Uh, Hajime no Ippo fight. What was like an hour and a half, two two and a half hours for one fight. Yes, yeah, so an hour Freaking and a half ridiculous. for one fight. And, and some Dragon and Ball then, Z pacing. Uh, I hate that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's has kind of, the pacing is kind of like start stop start stop. It's it's uh, it was. Pretty painful to sit through. The ideas were great, the execution not so much. If you want to listen to our opinion in depth, because we also dic- discussed how to base a fight, how to write a compelling fight uh, in a fictional work, and what makes a fictional fight great, what makes a fight scene great, uh, go and check that out. It's at uh, the $3 tier uh, on our Patreon. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm hoping uh, someone
2: pays us to break down those silly Indian movie fight scenes, because I think those are a lot more fun oh, yeah, also very short. Yeah. I'll pay you to do
1: it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and uh, speaking of, since you started plugging my stuff, I'm <laughs> I'm uh, gonna go back and uh, once again bring up some points I've raised on the on the last Tengri Dome, Uh Just kind of bringing us back to the UC two sixty two. I I hope you're not against that, Ed. I don't it's even know it is.
0: I don't know if I can be against it until I hear it. So I'll tell you if I was. Yeah, would have been against uh, it after you say it.
1: The things I wanted to say. Um, Uh, just kind of we forgot to mention that the Shane Burgers knockout was very very strange Mm,
0: true
1: yeah and uh, I would really like for him to kind of get that uh, checked out get that checked at the doctors because uh, even though I know he kind of went oh I'm fine he even said there's no concussion and because he said there's no concussion I know for a fact that he doesn't know what he's talking about (laughs) so like the way he fell over is kind of like uh, it's eerily reminiscent of uh, like boxing matches where one fighter collapses and then falls into a coma so that gave me a a right scare so uh, that should be definitely something to look uh, to to just kind of be prepared for and uh yeah I think that that was it. <laughs> I just wanted to mention that one thing, and also uh, the uh, Prague U uh, brand and the, uh, the Elon Musk call out. I've I've covered that very in depth <laughs> on that episode. So, if you're interested in hearing my expert opinion, <laughs> and uh, go and check that out. Sweet.
0: All right. Yeah. Well, that's it. I don't think I have anything else for people to look at this week. I didn't do a resume review. I'm not doing a a, a robbery thing. Not doing nothing. This is it. Oh, this is my contribution for the, the.
1: week. did you mention that the Dustin Poirier versus uh, Max Holloway two breakdown came out? I did. Well it came out. It came out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the commentary is not up yet. No.
1: Oh yeah, the commentary is. Uh, stay tuned for the commentary, and then check out that thing, the article. True. Good point. Uh, just don't, don't don't look too hard at the at the title.
0: <laughs> I want you to think really hard about the title and I don't want you to look up, up what it means. I just want you to try to figure it out by yourself. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Just try treat to it as a it. puzzle. Yes. Yes. All right. Well. And yeah,
1: to reinforce the commentary plug, uh, if you want, want to listen to three people gradually going insane over the course of two and a half hours. That should be right up your alley if you like uh, if you like misery and pain and suffering.
2: That describes any of our content.
1: Yeah, if you like misery and pain and suffering, you will be pretty much already an MMA fan, so uh, that's just another level. Good job. But
0: Good life choices being made.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, check out the Font Garbrand article that's going to be out soon. The old Demir article that unfortunately hasn't had any need to be updated, uh, but he's back. Everyone
1: get excited. That's Shout cool. outs to pain and suffering. <laughs>